and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word tonight. Father, I ask you to open the hearts of your people and cause them to receive the Word the way you want it to be received. In Jesus' Name, Amen. How many of you in this room are less than 21 years old? Let me see a show of hands. Okay. No shame for the rest of you. I'm not 21, so it's okay. Yep, okay. So I've been coming to this church longer than some of you have been alive. Right? (laughs) And... And, and, and uh, I came around Christmas time of 2001, right? You were born then, right? Two years old, amazing. So, so, so Christmas time 2001. And you know, if you knew me before I was a Christian, you probably thought I would be the last guy to come to Jesus. I was a buff Greek Adonis who used to wear... Uh, tight, chesty bonds shirts that were shiny. And I went through a clubbing phase, right? Uh, uh, Dance, no, no, I don't want to scar you. Sorry, Karen, you know, you'd have a bit more work in ministry after that. So so I won't do that to you. Um, But needless to say, I went through a clubbing phase. And again, the clubs didn't really do a whole lot for me, even before I was a Christian, but I distinctly remember... Uh, at the end of the nights, oftentimes, you know, you'd get in conversations with people and it basically went a bit like this. You went to the same places, doing the same thing, seeing the same people every single week. And at the end of some nights, I remember getting into conversations with people and they'd say, why do we do this? Seriously. And it caused me to ask a deeper question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? And I wasn't content with leaving that question unanswered. Some people are. Some people are happy to band-aid over that question with materialism, with work achievements, with drugs, with alcohol, whatever it might be. But I wasn't content to just band-aid over that question. But I went on a journey. I'm going to share my journey a little bit later on. But before we do that, we're going to get into the Word tonight. And I'm going to read from a passage of Scripture. But before I do that, I want to share as much historical context as I possibly can so you see the heart of Jesus for the lost. He really is the good shepherd. He really is the good shepherd that is willing to leave the 99 who don't stray to go after the one. And when he finds the one, He puts that sheep on his shoulders and he goes back and says, rejoice with me. There is great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. This was happening at a time where Jesus' ministry was growing and he was growing in influence. We're going to read from John chapter 4 from the New Living Translation. It's a younger crowd. We're going to read the New Living Translation. It's good. I feel young. Yes. Buff Daddy. All right. John, 
John chapter 4, 1 to 4. Was that, was that slay? Yeah, slay, the Greek way, that's right. <laughs> uh, oh, I've got to behave myself. Sorry, just went off track there. <laughs> All right, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. This is significant. Why? Because Judea was in the southern part of Israel. Galilee was in the north. In order to get from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, you had to go through Samaria. That was the quickest way. Now, at the time of Jesus, Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews. So what they would do, instead of going Route 1, they'd go, they'd cross over the Red Sea, go along the riverbank and go the long way into Galilee. Because if you're a religious Jew of the day, you would rather lose half your day in travel than have anything to do with Samaritans. That's how deep the hostility was between Jews and Samaritans when Jesus came. It really started hundreds of years earlier after the reign of King Solomon. King Solomon was a king in Israel. And after his reign, there was a revolt in Israel. You had Israel divided into two parts. You had the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. 10 tribes went north, two tribes went south. When Assyria invaded the northern part of Israel, what they did was they took some of the Jews from the northern part and they dispersed them to the non-Jewish nations. And they then would take people from the non-Jewish nations and some Assyrians and position them in the northern part of Israel. So over the course of time, there was an intermarrying and, and, and half-breed sort of being produced which where you see by the time of Jesus, the Samaritans were that group. So the, the Jews from the south in the kingdom of Judah began to say, you're not God's people. We're, we're the people of God. You're half-breeds. You've forsaken the faith. You've intermarried with other, with other nations. You're, you're not God's people. They began to disregard them. The temple, mind you, was in the south, was in Jerusalem, where the, where the worship was. 140 years later, the Babylonians invaded Israel. They conquered them. And the Jews were out of their land for 70 years. When they came back and began to rebuild the temple that the Babylonians burnt down when they conquered them, you can read this in the book of Nehemiah. The northern Jews, the, the Samaritans, sorry, the, the half-castes, offered to help Zerubbabel, and the southern Jews. Mind you, probably not with the best motives. But they said, no, thank you. You're not part of, you're not part of the nation. You're not, you're not part of us. You've got nothing to do with this rebuilding of the temple. So over the course of time, what did the Samaritans do? They appointed their own high priest and they built their own temple. In 128 BC, the Jews from the south invaded the north and burnt down the temple in Samaria. And so the Samaritans maintained that, they were, that that's still the place of worship on Mount Gerizim. Okay, so this is the picture. So by the time Jesus comes some hundred years later, there's so much hatred 
There's so much animosity between these two groups. And do you know what it was? It was mainly religion. That was the, uh, that was the uh, sticking point here. Are you all okay? Why did Jesus do that? Why did He go through Samaria? He had to go through Samaria. Another translation says He had to go through Samaria because there was a soul there. There was a soul there. One soul was worth Him going into literally a war zone. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 5 through to 26 of John chapter 4. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had to go into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir? The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Jesus is cutting across some significant cultural barriers here. Not only is he going into a potential war zone, he's talking to a woman. 
That may not mean a lot to you here now, today. But back in those days, for a Jewish rabbi to be seen talking to a woman, that was a no-no. In fact, by the time of Jesus, they had taken it to such an extreme that, that some rabbis were to not even be seen talking to their wives in public. Not even their daughters in public. So he's cutting across some significant cultural barriers here. Furthermore, he's going there in the middle of the day. She's drawing water from the well in the hottest part of the day. In those days, if you were a woman and you were to draw water from the well, you'd go either in the cool of the day in the morning or the cool of the day in the evening. And it would be a communal thing. So the women would get all together. So let's go. Let's get our stuff. We're going to go and draw some water. It's like a life group thing, like a life group outreach, right? Okay. So, so, but this woman was going alone, ostracised from her community. She'd had five husbands. Can you imagine the pain that this woman was carrying? One failed marriage has so much pain associated with it. She had five. And yet Jesus goes after her. She's going to the well in the middle of the day alone. Day in, day out. Do you know how hard that is? You've got to go to the well draw water, walk back, go to the well, draw water, walk back. And she's alone day in, day out. And Jesus uses a natural circumstance to convey a spiritual truth. He shows her that everyone who drinks from temporary wells will thirst again. He is the living water that is speaking to her. So we have someone who is thirsting on the inside, who is encountering the Son of God and is abundantly clear that she has been looking for satisfaction in relationships and has gotten to the point where she's probably given up on marriage altogether because the man she's living with is not her husband. Jesus goes after her. She's lonely. She's thirsty. Doesn't that sound like our generation? Thirsting for significance. We are living in one of the loneliest generations of all time. Swinburne University did a study that one in two Australians experience loneliness at least once a week. 27.6, one in four Australians experience loneliness at least three times a week. That's huge. I know what that feels like because I was there. I know what it feels like to drink from temporary wells only to end up thirsty and alone And even though I was one of the most popular people in my group, I still felt lonely. Even though I was part of a big Greek family, I still felt lonely. And Jesus came after me. 
And I got to a stage of my life where I was asking that question, why am I here? And it wasn't being answered. And so you know what I did? I decided that I would go back into the partying scene again, but this time I was going to do it in style. All right. So this time I had organised with a non-Christian mate to go overseas and we were going to sow some wild oats, if you know what that means. We were just going to go wild. We were talking about it, but we didn't, we didn't, uh, we weren't in the process of planning. We were just talking about it. But needless to say, we were going, I was going that direction. The same friend around Christmas time of 2001 invited me here. But the reason why he invited me here was not to come to Jesus. It was come to laugh at you lot for the way you worship. He says, Con, come and see this church. You know, they lift up their hands. They sing these songs. Oh, Jesus, I love you. And, 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 and come, let's have a laugh. And so I'm like, all right, may as well. I like a good laugh. Hey, Pastor Tim. <laughs> Sorry, just easy, easy target. Um, <laughs> so I came. And to our shock and amazement, it wasn't, uh, there was no service. It was this Christmas production. A bit like Carol's in the Shire. But listen, Karen, Carol's in the Shire is way better. It was way better. Like we, we've come a long way in 21 years, I tell you. That was still good. But, were, but hey, listen, you want to bring your friends and family to Carol's in the Shire. It is going to explode in here. But needless to say, it was a Christmas production. Those Christmas productions went long back in those days. It was so long. There was an intermission. Do you remember, Gary? Yeah, there was, a, there was an intermission. So during the intermission, one of my friends, who's a Christian, who, who came here, approached us both. He says, oh, you're here. And I'm like, we're here. He says, come to my house. I want to show you a video of a guy that's changed my life. Back then, we had the VHS the old-fashioned old videos. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. You'll, you'll find it. Google it later. Um, and so he showed me a video of this uh, preacher, well-known preacher, having a Q&A with men. So here we are in his living room. Where I've got my Christian friend on my right, my non-Christian friend on my left, and I'm in the middle, and I'm watching this Q&A. And I'm going, this is amazing. Questions on the inside were being answered. And I actually turned to my Christian friend. I says, it's actually incredible. Can I borrow this VHS? Can I watch it? And by the way, can you take me to church next week? My non-Christian friend on my left was like, I can't believe this is happening. I, I can't believe this. This is, this is unbelievable. Like, are you serious? Are you really going to go through with this? I'm like, yeah. He says, does this mean we're not going to go overseas now? I go, I don't want to do that. I've got no reason to do that. I truly believe it was in that moment that God saved me. So I came to church the week after. I thought, you know what? I'm actually, I, I, something has shifted on the inside. I have a peace that I, that I didn't have before. All of a sudden, I know I don't have to go out looking to external means to fulfil an internal deficit. God had moved in. And I couldn't articulate it at the time because my Bible knowledge was very, very limited. It still is. There's so much more to learn. But, 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 but 
I can start to put words to it over the course of time. And I knew there was a call. I knew what God, I was going to go hard after what God had for me by the grace of God. And here we are. There may be people in this room and you can identify with the woman at the well. You can identify with that deep thirst on the inside that has yet to be filled by anything external. Jesus is after you. He wants you. He wants to come in and fill that void on the inside. Well, every head bowed and every eyes closed all across this place. Right now, in this moment, I don't have the keys, that'd be great. If you identify with that woman, you think, you know what? That's me. That sounds so much like me. I want to pray with you tonight. In a moment's time, I'm going to lead the entire church in a prayer. And if you identify with that woman, if you identify with, you know what? I am thirsty on the inside. I am empty. I feel empty on the inside. Well, I believe tonight's your night to receive the one who is coming after you. And that's Jesus Christ. The work's already been done. He came 2,000 years ago, died on a cross, bearing your judgment, bearing your guilt, bearing your shame. Do you think that woman at the well had shame, had guilt? 100%, but He bore it all. And tonight can be your night where you say, I want Jesus. Well, I've got news for you. He wants you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, why don't you, if that identifies you, why don't you pray these words after me? And the whole church is going to pray by way of support. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that You are the Son of God. You came to earth. You paid the price, bearing my sin, bearing my shame. You rose again on the third day and are alive today. Come and live in me. Be my Lord. Be my Saviour. Be my friend. In Jesus' Name. Amen. While every head bowed and every eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it from your heart, in a moment's time, I'm going to get you to give me a wave. The reason why I want you to give me a wave is because we want to help you in your next steps on how to walk out this decision. So on the count of three, that was you and you prayed that prayer. I want you to give me a wave. One, two, three. Fantastic. See that hand? Awesome. God's got a great plan for you. He's not done with you yet. No way. Who else? Who else tonight? And you say, I'm sick and tired of going to external means to find fulfilment. Awesome. Father, we thank you for that precious soul. Lord, that it is so worth what you did. Lord, you came for the one 
And Father, like the woman at the well, I pray that there would be a radical life change as Your Word comes in. Father, I thank You that the old has gone, the new has come. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.